0: Thursday morning, day 42 in the counting of the Omer, Yom Yerushalayim tonight, Yom Hevron on Shabbos. Uh, Yassi Baumel's with us live via telephone, Director of Development for akora Chaim, and as I said last week, I want to thank him for his donation to uh, fjbunity.org. He did it in honor of uh, Steve Adelsberg, Nachum Siegel, and Miriam el and we thank him. Uh, there are many Directors of Development who over the years hesitate to publicly support or publicly speak about supporting other institutions and causes. Uh, based on Yassi's track record over the last, oh, I don't know, quarter of a century or so, uh, through all of our fundraisers with, that we used to do in Jersey City and now the ones that we do here, uh, he is obviously one who does not hesitate to publicly support and to publicly encourage people to support a good cause. And for that, we are thankful. Yassi Balmo, shalom, shalom. Welcome back to JM in the AM.
1: Shalom, good morning. How are you feeling it's good to be there. It's almost three months since we were last there, right before everything started.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Remember. We, talk, we talk about the trivia question of who was the last person in this studio besides me. The truth is you'd be on that list. You were one of the last people before you went back to Israel to visit us before
1: Purim here at JM in the AM. Yes, and you may remember the night before we were on your program, we were in New Rochelle. That is correct. in the young In the young Israel, right? <laughs> That's correct. In the
0: Young Israel New Rochelle, the night before you showed up here, and then you did the event at Lincoln Square Synagogue, and uh, then right. you and then you were off. And then uh, I don't know. I guess I guess that Shabbat or maybe the next one was the last one in Shul for you. Would it have been that week or
1: that Shabbat. We were in Cleveland, and then uh, that's when Rav Dove started not to feel so well. And when he came back, uh, he uh, got Corona. He was number sixty-five. He was the first uh, person in Israel to self-identify publicly right away, so people should know. Wow! And it was a, a whole long story, but uh, you know, it's very interesting that uh, on that trip, Rabbi uh, Rabbi Zinger uh, spoke to the uh, Y.U. Yu Kalla, right? And he told them the following: It's like almost like prophecy. He said, you know, we tend to treat Hashem like an elderly parent we don't we send to a nursing home. In essence, we tell him, don't come into our home. It's crowded, it's noisy. The children may bother you. We have the perfect place for you, great, beautiful synagogue. We'll even can come visit you three times a day. Just don't come into our home.
0: At his point that, obviously was that, bring, and his bring point
1: was that we don't bring Hashem into yeah, our home. I was going to say You know, put them into little compartments and, and, you know, practices, but we don't bring them into our homes, into our hearts. And then all of a sudden, a few weeks later, all those uh, synagogues closed down, and we all had to bring Hashem into our houses uh, in a very, very real way.
0: Yassi Balma with us from Israel. First of all, uh, an update. Is uh, anything happening on the Makar Chaim campus in the Gush at this point? Absolutely.
1: We were working up until Pesach, and then from Pesach there was a... uh, a stop work on all uh... activity all, all construction activities but already a week ago uh, as we posted on our uh... facebook page uh... the sounds of tractors are hard at work building the high school building uh... and uh... we're about to sign contracts on the Beit Midrash and the second dormitory one dormitory is up and it's uh... it's moving head thank god Hopefully, uh, we'll be moving in a year and a half from now because it's really crowded. Especially now, you know, we had a rent when the yeshiva came back recently, and we had to rent out a hall from Kfar because the Beit Midrash is not big enough to have the entire yeshiva socially distant from each other. Oh, so we had to point. rent other places. Good point. And divide them up into little places. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you get anyway.
0: Do you get the feeling that things are sort of getting back to normal, even with all the social distancing scenes?
1: Uh, I have this funny feeling that just like in the times of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the plague ended on Lachba Omer, that it basically ended. Uh, and, and I think it's something almost miraculous, because I wish I could say that uh, where I live in Efrat, people are very careful. You know, everybody's wearing a mask in shul and all the other, since we started yesterday in shuls. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are not careful, and still... Uh, it has been no spike not after the Seder night when even our president and prime minister had their family over uh you know against uh, the regulations uh and and ev uh, et cetera there have been no spikes uh, since those various events we're ain so, yeah behind hearts we're hoping that it's well now we they opened up schools and yeshivas and everything so uh we're holding our breath for another two weeks to make sure that that pattern continues, but it looks like life is getting back to normal except with one Terrible, terrible thing, and that is that a Jew can't come to visit his homeland. It's you know, a really terrible thing. You know, it's interesting. Only uh, Israeli citizens can come here so far, right. and even they have to be uh, um, uh, in quarantine for two weeks when they come back. But they're not letting any non-citizens come here altogether, which is very, very sad. Which
0: I want to address in a second, but you mentioned the reference to Logba Omer, which is interesting, and you always haven't. An- Interesting historical perspective. Uh, What were you thinking the week of Pesach when that turned out for us as a community worldwide to be the most deadly week? Uh,
1: Well, uh, I thought about a lot of people did like that that it said on the night of the Seder, no one should go out of the house because the the destroyer is outside. I wrote a few articles about it if you want to read about it also. Uh, You know, um, I had some strange thoughts about the situation. You know, that I was one of the few people who took part in Dir's funeral here in Israel. Right. And when what, what were what, at,
0: what were there like ten people, fifteen people?
1: There were 20, there were nineteen people there. Wow. Yeah. Um. They let like five friends come, so me and my wife and then another couple and some other, one or two other people friends came. But as I was looking down, when they were burying him, I noticed that the, at the end, the members of the Hever Kaddish stripped their gloves off and threw them into the grave and then covered them over. Right. And I thought to myself, a thousand years from now, there'll be archaeologists, you know, trying to figure out if it was the Hasidim used the blue, hand, the blue gloves <laughs> or the Misnagdim used the white gloves or, you know, what that, what's the strange custom of throwing gloves into a grave, right? Yeah. And then I went to wash my hands. And then I thought, you know, this is a you wash your hands. You're not supposed, you're supposed to wash your hands outside of your house. Can't do it inside your house. Right. And then I started thinking that maybe all these things are somehow connected to all these, are washing our hands before we eat, and, and even all kinds of way we keep distances uh, from each other at certain times of our lives. Right. There's all these kind of things that sort of like are familiar. And a good friend of mine said, Yeah, it's practice for keeping the rules of uh, ritual purity. Within a month, we all learned how to, you know, distance and to not to touch and to be careful. And, you know, when there'll be a Beit HaMikdash, we'll have to worry about those things as well also. And we just had a practice run uh, just now.
0: Very interesting. I have so much more to say about this, but I want to get off topic. You mentioned about travel to Israel. Uh, First of all, just as a technicality, one cannot land in Israel. Let's say for argument's sake, you know, anybody could go now. One can't land in Israel and get tested. And, just, and and be told whether they're positive or negative?
1: As far as I know, the only country in the world that's doing that right now is Austria. They're charging each person $200, signing a, a, an agreement that if they test positive, they have to go into uh, quarantine. Interesting. And you land, they test you in the airport, and you wait there till the test results come in, and right. then they let you go.
0: But I want to tell you something, and this is my thought, as you mentioned, the, the pain that we're going through of not being able to visit Israel, and it comes up with anybody who's on the air who regularly goes. Um you know, it, you're probably aware of the fact that a lot of summer camps are now canceling in the U.S., and I'm sure you're aware of the fact that there are a lot of uh, uh, countries that are going through a very slow reopening, and and the summer could be very challenging in terms of you know parents and children staying where they are because uh, because again, a lot of uh, uh, countries I'm not saying are going to be on lockdown in July and August, but certainly are going to have certain restrictions uh, that are going to linger uh, you know from this whole period of time. If in fact travel to Israel does reopen in whatever fashion to non-citizens, you know, people like myself, I think you are going to be overrun with tourists because families that depended on summer camp and families that depended on other programs to entertain and enhance the lives of their children very likely are going to try to head to Israel for a few weeks, and you might be giving tours of the Makor Chaim campus from morning till night if, in fact, my prediction comes true?
1: I hope you're right. I really hope you're right, because, um, you know, think of me. My life has been basically... This pattern, this rhythm of traveling to the States and coming back and having people come and showing them around, whether it's been in the Teret Kornim in Yerushalayim or in Chevron or in Steyrot or now in Gush Etzion, and, and you know, back and forth, and now it's all stopped. And I, I, We met so many people on our recent trip who said, I want to come, I want to see the project, I want to see the Shiva," and none of them could come, and it's, it's really, really a terrible thing. And it's the one thing I think that's going to be holding up Israel's full return of the economy, is to open up the tourism. There. They really need to find a way to do that. They really need to do it well, a lot on the, so many levels.
0: A lot of the hotels, including our Inbal Hotel, um, uh, said they're opening June 18th. Others are opening up. I'm hoping that that will not only spur Israelis to utilize the hotels and the uh, insular uh, tourism industry, but hopefully we'll get people from around the world to travel as well. Uh, who well, knows? The government
1: just announced that, uh, that uh, the, the limit on traveling it was extended to June 15th so people theoretically could buy tickets and come from june 15th on i don't exactly know how they're going to deal with them but uh, that's at the moment that's what they're saying interesting so we really hope that people will come visit
0: what are your thoughts as we are on of yom Yerushalayim?
1: well what can i tell you you know the uh we uh, har Sinai is a mountain and jerusalem is a mountain and uh, Many years ago, I saw a sign someplace that, you know, if you're if you're on, on these very steep steps, it said, if you're breathing hard, you know you're on the way up. And we're all on the way up, on the way up to Yushalayim, on the way to Hebron. You know, Yushalayim, I've always said, uh, is the place where uh, oral prayers or answers, where all the Torah comes from, and Hebron is where... We 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 send our prayers and we and we build ourselves as a nation. In other words, Hebron re- represents the physical construction. Jerusalem represents the spiritual answer. That's why there's two uh, entrances to Gan Eden. You know that. Yep. It's An inbox and an outbox. Right. The inbox is Hebron, The outbox is Jerusalem. And here in Gush Etzion, we're uh, right in between the uh, two places. I'm not going to tell the story over again about Rav Gorin woke up in Gush <laughs> and captured right. everyone all by himself. I'm sure I heard it mentioned on your program already this week, oh, once <laughs> or twice. <laughs> so but I'll spare your readers. But uh, it's well, just—it's an amazing thing to be living in this area. I mean, you know, in Tishabov's I will go um, Friday night. Uh, I mean, at night on Tishavov, I will go to Herodian. And then in the morning we go to Chevron, and in the afternoon we go to the go to and then to the hotel. Living here, right in the middle of all these holiest places, is just has been an unbelievable experience. And I'm hoping that they'll all open up. I, yesterday, I went, the first, I heard, when, I heard they, when I saw they opened our shul here in Efrat yesterday morning, so for Mincha, I went to Hebron because I wanted to dive in inside. They said they're not opening up until after the Ramadan is over, and I was uh, honored to be the chazan there uh, outside of the Martha Machpelah. But it, it's just, you know, the idea that you can go into these places and be living the history Uh, And rebuilding the history here, uh, like our campus is on the Derech Avot, the original road, connecting up Hebron to Shalayim. And that's what we're doing here in this year. We're connecting up the physical construction of Israel with the spiritual redemption of the Jewish people.
0: With the the two concepts that you mentioned uh, regarding the role of Yerushalayim and the role of Hebron, is it appropriate or is there anything to say about the fact that Yom Yerushalayim is the first day and Yom Hebron is the next day? Or that's just a coincidence?
1: There are no coincidences, but uh, obviously that uh, Yushalayim has always been closer to the heart of uh, everyone. Uh, Even in halacha it's expressed. I just saw a tshuva that I think was from Herschel Shefton, actually, that you don't tear Kriya if you haven't been in Hebron for 30 days. But if you come to the Koto, you tear Kriya. Yushalayim is really al-rosh simchatinu always. Unbelievable. That's where the whole world is headed to.
0: No question about it. Tonight, Yom Yerushalayim. Shabbos is uh, Yom Chevron, Everybody, and of course, our Yom Yerushalayim special coming up tomorrow morning here at JM and the AMSC Baumel with us live via telephone. We're speaking about Makar Chayim and talking about these interesting days that we are in right now. Um, the remind our audience, especially those who hopefully will will get there soon, there is a uh, uh, there's a connection and a uh, d- direct uh, relationship between. Uh Chaim and the, the three boys, as we know them, because uh, uh, the, the boys actually attended Makar Chaim. And their memory is going to be key in terms of what you're building there right now, correct?
1: That's correct. The campus is in their memory, and uh, we're coming up now on uh, their yard site uh, very soon. Uh, and uh, basically, um, you know, uh, kids from Makar Chaim have on their T-shirts, there's nothing more whole than a broken heart. Oof. which is a uh, quote from Rabbi Nachman, you know, sometimes our hearts are too hardened. They're hardened by our habits of getting up and diving every day with the minion and not thinking about what we're saying. Our hearts are hardened so that they need to be cracked. And uh, we saw that our hearts were really cracked open when those three boys were uh, were kidnapped, and the whole Jewish world came together in a way that has not been since the Six-Day War. Uh, no, we the Jewish people were not united uh, as they were during that time and uh now, also it's amazing how every little community detail like i 'll hear Stuart dieick's uh reports about what's going on in brooklyn and and you know we're all interconnected in a in a, in a way that's amazing and I think one of the lessons of the last few months is that God gave us these wonderful, wonderful gifts of new technology that need to be used one way or another, and they need to be used, and they bring us all together all and you. hopefully when they renew traveling it'll bring us back together physically. As well, you know, I, I uh, people. Uh, I was stuck in America during the September 11th. Right. So we were online. Oh, we, with we we, Seguin, we, tell, Dan, we tell your story. We tell your
0: story all the time. By the way, about yeah, how yeah yeah yeah. And I, I
1: was thinking about how you know, like, could it be possible that someday I won't be able to get back to Israel? And that has been up in my. And every time I leave America, when I pack, I think to myself, maybe I'm not coming back. I certainly thought that this last time when the the day that we left uh, New York, it was uh, the day that these whole things started coming out about the pandemic. And I I don't know how to say this to my friends in America, but there have been a number of rabbis, the Radomska, then the others who came out yesterday, that the problems of traveling from one country to another, from one state to another may come back again. And people really, really need to start thinking seriously that when the skies open, they really need to move here. It's been so wonderful here during this terrible crisis compared to to other places. I mean, if you look at the the, the numbers of actual uh, deaths Compared to previous years, there were no more deaths during this period than there were in the year before, or there were even less than the last two years during this similar period. So with all that's happening, God is looking for us. It's not a mystical thing. We have to keep the rules. We're commanded to give God the pipeline by Keep putting our mask on. I'm keeping all the rules. You know, people ask me, do I believe in mysticism? I, I the first day I took, there, there's a potion that one of the Kubalim in Israel said, you drink this and you'll never get the the, the disease. I drank it. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I was any way less um, uh, careful about keeping all the rules, because you got to not prevent God from having to do miracles from you. He has to be able to do it in a natural way, and by keeping the rules and uh, by doing these things, and by uh, also as far as building Eretz so, we think a God is going to come and pick us up and, and bring us here and everything will spring bring up by itself. No, we have to come and build it by ourselves. This is what Hashem wants for us, to use our science, to use our technology, to use our logic, to use our talents, to be His hands on this world. And that's what we're doing here. And, you know, uh, if that wasn't the case, we'd all be lies when we make a mozi. You know, when you say, God does create the fruit in the ground or on the tree. But we grind the wheat, we plant the wheat. We do, there's so many things we do to the wheat. We're learning the Shabbat. Now, we just learned it in Kual Gadol. All the uh, actions a person does to make, create bread. And we, nevertheless, we said that God takes it out of the ground, because we are God's hands. That's why we make that blessing. And people have to understand, you can't dive in and shul against the rules and hope that God will save you. You need to work with the system, with the science, with the logic, with the technology. And God wants us to use these gifts to, to bring Him down onto this world.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, finally, I have to mention, because I've said this so often, but you haven't been on the air with me since this all started. Um, it's the first time in 72 years that Jews of the diaspora do not have access to the Holy Land. And thank God, unlike other centuries and unlike other periods of time, uh, thank God we're not paying the price for that because you know what has happened to our people for 2,000 years when there was no access or easy access to the Holy Land. And thank God we're not paying that price right now. But it is a, as you as you tell us, how important it is to consider a future in Israel, which I don't think you said it in those words, but I'll sum it up that way. <laughs> um, I think we need to realize the blessing that we've gotten right now—that thank God the closure of Israel to us uh, has not been uh, something that we've had to, uh, uh, that we we haven't been, uh, you know, put in jeopardy because of thank God. Uh, but we we should consider that you know our our luck could run out, and that you know if, if in fact you are right that, uh, that we're, it's going to be proven as easy as, we, as technology and travel is, that, it's going to, that it could get, you know, it could remain like this or, or come back to a time like this again. I think we need to keep in mind that uh, we should take advantage of the times so that we have easy access to the Holy Land.
1: Yes, I uh, wrote an article called Three Safe Rooms and Three No-Fly Zones. Because the, in Israel, you know, we've had to take refuge in safe rooms three times. First, they were the sealed rooms of the Gulf War. Then they were the uh, protected rooms of the missiles from the Gaza Strip, and now we're in the quarantine rooms. And the three safe rooms are, are reflect the three Beit And there were three times. And 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 if the, time, if the sky the skies closed during September 11th, they closed again now. And if they open up again, who knows if they're going to close a third, a third time. So really, people should really, really consider about getting their act together and getting over here. I think that whether it's the fact that we've just been practicing the laws of ritual purity during this uh, social distancing time or whatever it is, we see the building of Israel, we see the development, it's it's going towards the end game. And we don't. no one knows how or where or what. But... People have to be here. This is it. Vilna Gon sent his students back then because it says, um, um, because uh, um, because in Israel the Jews will be saved. And he was worried that the Jews will be outside of Israel when the time comes. So the time really is to come back uh, if you can physically, if not at least uh, as as it's written in the book of by, uh at least be connected to Israel. And connection is very important. And I would like to say a word about connection because we just had the day of Yesod Shabbat Yesod, which is the day of connection. And Nachum Siegel is the great connector. And I really think that uh, with all the services you've done to people, and I hear the way you had uh, people from our Teret Korn Iman and from other organizations day in and day out, you are the one who connects up the Jewish people. And today, more than ever throughout the world, there are people listening to you, I saw it even on today's, is the chat. There are people from all over the world listening to you. Supporting Nacham Siegel is a really important thing. Supporting JM, the AM, so that we could all be together one way or another. And that's what, the, as Rav Dov uh, singer said this week in his talk about the Shabi Chabiasad, all the books and all the movies and all the history and all the songs have to do with one thing. In the end, will they be together, whether it's a boy and a girl or a person and his country or a person and his tradition? Will they be together? Will we unite the Shekhinah and 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 the Kurdish Baruch This is what we're supposed to do here. And you're uniting the Jewish world in a way that nobody really uh, has been. And I really think it's a point for all you listeners to support you.
0: I can't thank you enough for that. And everybody, I'm going to use the opportunity to remind you, after what Yossi just said, that there's a website where it's really easy to support us, fjbunity.org, FJB for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting fjbunity.org, and we are a foundation. We are a foundation of unity. So please, fjbunity.org. And I guess, Yossi, that's one of the reasons that one of the most popular Jewish songs of the last, oh, I don't know, 40 years is Someday We Will All Be Together. That may be, in fact, I think we once did an all time. You're talking about this (laughs) <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think one day we, did, we actually did one of these uh, countdowns of top Jewish songs ever. I think that ended up being number one, so your, your, words, your words are certainly appreciated. By the way, speaking of our chat and our app, someone writes, I went to yeshiva in Brooklyn many years ago. The principal was Rabbi Baumel. Is that Rabbi Baumel related to the one that, that you have on the air right now?
1: Yes, that was my uh, first cousin once removed, who was the chief rabbi of Crown Heights before the Lubavitchers got there, and the principal of Crown Heights Yeshiva, who moved to Israel in the 1960s. He's no longer with us, but he was really a very, very special person. Jesse, and very beloved by my family. Yes,
0: he. My my brother was in the last graduating class of Yeshiva Crown Heights.
1: Oh, there you go. Isn't
0: Which that, one? My late brother Moshe. He was. Uh, oh who would who would today oh. who would today be uh almost 70 years old. He'd be six, oh. 69 years old. He was yeah. he was in the first graduating class of Yeshiva of Crown Heights. And yeah, now and I, now I, I and now I know why when I as a kid I heard the name Rabbi Baumel now I know why because <laughs> he used to mention the name Rabbi Baumel now I know who he was referring to. Well, there you go. Yeah. Talk about being together. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this Jewish geography we just played internationally. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I miss you,
1: Nachum. I want to come visit again in your little studio over there in the Lower East Side. It's so much better than going to New Jersey in the mornings. I really love it.
0: I appreciate
1: that. We look, soon. we
0: look forward to having you here, but I look forward to seeing you on the Makar Chaim campus. i got to get to Israel already, and I hope
1: it's very, very soon. Yes, and I really, it would be great if the great communicator would move his whole operation to Israel. You still could communicate with America from here. Well, I keep telling Think you. about it. I keep telling about it. you. Keep telling and you, buddy, you would have, not have to wake up early in the morning. You would never have to meet Minion, Miss Minion. You know <laughs> that's true
0: also you're right. <laughs> I keep I keep telling everybody I'm looking for real estate in a lot because I want to move to Israel but I don't necessarily need to be near everyone else you know <laughs> 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 but we'll, but we'll see and 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 of course I don't even want to get into the whole discussion about whether a lot is really biblical
1: Israel or not. That's another discussion. Kibush, Yochet, Shmei Kibush, so certainly the, uh, the state of Israel capturing it makes it into part of Israel, no question. So about
0: it. there's no way you would endorse the halachic position that you keep two days yontif in Eilat?
1: I don't like to take a halakhic position, but it, uh, whatever. <laughs> it's whatever.
0: It sounds like you're leading that way.
1: <laughs> Yossi, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, have a great day, and uh, Yom Yerushalayim Sameach to everyone, and uh, Chag Shavuot Sameach to everyone. And Yom Chavre-
0: and Yom Chavron Sameach. Absolutely.
1: Yom Yerushalayim Sameach,
0: Yom Hebron Sameach, Chag Shavuot Sameach, Yassi Baumel, at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSigl.com, and the Single Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app.